Amen. In the beginning of the letter, Paul does what he always does, identifies himself, perhaps some of the folks who are with him. Here he says, Paul and Timothy describes themselves as bondservants, those who have uh, borne themselves into a, a state of servitude. Uh, they have sold themselves into slavery, uh, in essence, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's writing to, take notice of who he's writing to, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Now that word saints means holy ones. So you do no disservice to the scripture if you said to all the holy ones in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. They were holy. God's people are holy. The reason God's people are holy is because they're God's people. Amen. Holiness is not anything that we can generate in and of ourselves. Now there are acts of righteousness that we can do. But holiness, you either are holy by definition or you are holy by declaration. God is holy by definition. God is holy because he is holy. He is the definition of holiness. God has always been holy. He is holy. He's always going to be holy. Now, we, on the other hand, we are holy because of act of declaration. For Christ's sake and because of his finished work on that cross, whosoever will believe on him, call upon his name, God the Father will declare as holy. It is the application of the blood that Ginger sung about that cleanses us from all sin, amen, and creates in us a clean heart, and we become holy because we are the property of God. We are his purchased possession. I've shared this with you for years, the same illustration. I'm in a rut. I don't, I don't know if God owns a bicycle, but if he does, it's a holy bicycle because it belongs to God. In the Roman Catholic uh, Church, they have a business uh, going on with what they call relics. Well, I call it a business. But ever, you know, there's about 10,000 Catholic church that have a piece of the original cross that Jesus was crucified on. They don't. They got uh, some uh, apostle's little finger or, or something, some kind of relic that associates them uh, closely with the uh, earthly ministry of our Lord. And these relics are declared holy because they were close to Jesus. Amen. Now, there's a, a movie that was made many years ago uh, well, two of them. One was the robe and the other one was Quo Vadis. But it had to do with the single uh, cloth robe that our Lord wore. Now, if you can obtain that and prove that it was the robe that Jesus wore uh, to Calvary that they took off of him, that the Roman soldiers, uh, that they uh, shot dice in order to see who would get it, if you could claim ownership of that and prove it, that's priceless. How much would it be worth? There ain't enough money in the whole world to buy that. Why? Because it was the personal property of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you had a, one of his sandals, you could prove it. This sandal was worn and was by our Lord. It was his sandal. How much would somebody give me for that sandal? It's beyond price because it belonged to the Lord. It's that association. And he has declared us holy because we are his purchased possession. So Paul's speaking to the church. He is speaking to the saints. Amen. Holiness is not anything we should get haughty about. It is what we are to be thankful for. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me on that cross. Praise God. Verse 2. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul uses this in his epistles also. It is his heart's desire that we experience a fullness of God's grace 
Well, I say, well, you're talking about the church in general, the church of Philippi, and that we experience the peace that can only come from God himself. Amen. Now, the threefold works of grace. What have I been shouting about all these years? There's a threefold work of grace. The first thing grace does is save my soul. For we are saved, Paul writes to the Ephesians, by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, that is it. I don't care how many old folks you help across the street. I don't care how much money you give to charitable causes. I don't care how many good works you do. Our good works are nasty in the sight of God because they are put side by side with Jesus hanging on that cross. It is his grace, unmerited favor that saves us. And we experience his grace as we believe in Jesus Christ. You want to access the grace of God? You want the unmerited favor of God to fall all over you? Put your faith in the only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing grace does, it teaches us how we ought to live. The grace of God, the, the apostle writes, has uh, been made known to all men, teaching us that denying worldliness, ungodly love, how we're supposed to live soberly and righteously in this present world. God does, is not finished with us when he forgives us of our sins. Salvation is more than the forgiveness of our sins. Now, there ain't nothing like the forgiveness of our sins. You want to walk in liberty? You want to have a clear uh, mind emotionally? You do it with the knowledge and understanding that my sins are under the blood, have been washed away by the blood, and I stand now innocent, justified, just as if I have never done anything wrong. Amen. Ever. Only God can do that. Praise his name. But it's more, he teaches us how we ought to live. He doesn't leave us just, you know, just hanging around twiddling our thumbs waiting on the resurrection and the rapture of the church. He give, the grace of God gives us instruction. His unmerited favor gives us instruction in how we ought to live in this present world and to live a life that is pleasing in the sight of God. Now, because we are all too familiar with our weaknesses and our failures and our shortcomings, we have a difficulty latching on to this truth. But I'm here to tell you that the grace of God is powerful enough to change the way we live. Amen. Praise God. What's the third thing grace do, Brother Andy? It enables us to supersede human tolerance. What do you mean by that? Has anybody here ever been to that place where you as far as you can go? I shared a little bit of that this morning. When you've gone as far as you can go, that's it. You have exhausted all of your natural resources. You ain't got no more patience. You ain't got no more strength. You are out. You are done. You are empty. You are used up. I mean, you are just ready to be thrown. <laughs> have you ever been to that place? What does the grace of God do? When we come to that place... And we go to him like I preached to you this morning for refuge and get under those wings, hallelujah, and, and get close to him. The grace of God ministers to us. And when we say to ourselves, Lord, I've gone as far as I can go. And that's when we let go of any dependence upon ourselves and we completely trust in him. Then his grace is poured out upon us and what we could not do before, now we can do. Brother Andy, I can't take anymore. The grace of God will enable you and strengthen you to take as much as is required. Praise God. See, the Christian life is all about hope. 
it's all about the promise of God. It's, I mean, it, 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 it's all about experiencing his manifest love for us. That he saved us, but he don't leave us the way he found us. And he teaches us. The best life, I mean, I want to get on Joel Osteen's Live Your Best Life Now. I can make that book a lot shorter. You need to pray your hide through and get to where Brother Marvin got this afternoon where you say, Lord, I'm willing to do anything you want me to do. Now, from that point, here we go. Your, your life is, is not, because I'm here to tell you, folks, your life ain't going to be dull and boring. The enemy tries to portray that to a lost world. You don't want to become a Christian. You don't want to go to church. That's just some old, old boring bunch of uh, do-nots and all this other stuff. Nothing could be further from the truth. You start on your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you that is going to be an adventure. Amen. And, and for all of the, the negative things that you have to deal with, and I'm speaking to you as a minister and as a pastor, the positives far outweigh the negatives. And the rewards far outweigh the sacrifice. Amen. His grace. I ain't even got past the second verse. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer. Of my, boy, it's something when the apostle Paul is speaking your name every time he prays. Make a request for you all with joy. That sounds like a southerner, don't it? For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. So you can stop worrying about it. You can stop stressing about it. You can, you know, all this, you can just quit it. Because you are not going to complete that work. He is. Paul didn't say we would. He said Jesus will. We don't take that to heart like we ought to because there's, in, it's, it's human nature. There's still this little nagging deal in the back of our head that says that somehow if I'll just do enough good whatever, then, then uh, you know, uh, when I die. And my grandfather used to have this. I call it Bubba's Theology. And my grandfather had it before he got saved, before he passed away. And that was, if you do more good than bad, and when you die, and he, this is how he put it, the old master will say, well, come on in because you, you was a good old boy. You didn't beat your wife or kick your dog or all this other kind of junk, you know. And my grandfather believed, and I call it Bubba's theology. Well, if I'm a good enough person, I get to go to heaven. You know how many good people are in hell tonight? A bunch. There are a bunch of morally uh, uh, correct folks who are in hell tonight. You know why? Because they did not appropriate the grace of God. I don't care how many good works that you try to do, you're not going to make it by good works, only by trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And having experienced His grace and experienced salvation that He has died and rose again to provide for us, He will complete. He will. He will. Now there's liberty in that. He will complete the work that he has begun in us. So when things happen to make it look as if maybe that's not going to be the case, don't become discouraged. Don't, don't uh, cast away your faith in the Lord because something negative has happened because his promise is to complete that good work in us, that he will do that work, he will place us in his will and his will will, and that's a double negative, his will shall be accomplished in us. He will complete that work that he started. 
Praise God. I am living proof of that. He started a work in me when I was 18. When I got saved during that revival that night at Bearden Church of God all them years ago, I had a lot of ups and downs since then. I backslid bigger than life. But God had plans for me that I had no knowledge of myself. Amen. He will complete that good work in us. Amen. Let us press on. Verse 7. Just as it, as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now let's look at this in the amplification from this ninth verse. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. What is his prayer for us? That our love will overflow more and more. Our love for God, our love for one another. I keep going back to this time and time again because it is so vitally important for us to be successful as a congregation of believers in Jesus Christ. We must love one another. You read this New Testament, you're going to find it all through. In the Gospels, everything that Jesus said, what the apostles uh, uh, teach in the, in the letters and in the, excuse me, in the books attributed to them, that the key for the church, and people have been looking for this for so long, and I've been around a bunch of preachers. They say, well, we'll have revival if we do this, or we'll have revival if we'll do that, or God will move if we'll do this, or God will move if we'll do that. God will hear us when we pray if we believe in Jesus Christ and love one another. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Amen. Believe and love. Believe in Jesus and love one another. Because the definition of success from God's perspective as far as the church is concerned is that we believe on his son and that we love one another. And an absence of love in the congregation will get us nowhere. Get us nowhere. Now, here's the thing about this loving one another. It takes effort. We have, psychologically speaking, let's get into psychology tonight, a built-in defense mechanism because we don't like to have our feelings hurt. Anybody in here enjoy having your feelings hurt? I mean, has anybody ever just embarrassed you or let you down or whatever and done it on purpose? And you said, oh, that felt great. I can't wait till somebody else uses me. No. And we have a psychological deal in our little old tiny brain, and it's like a wall that we'll put up if we feel endangered along that line. But in the church, it cannot be so. We must be willing to make an emotional investment in one another to the point where your welfare matters to me. Your success matters to me. Your well-being matters to me. Your health matters to me. Your state of mind matters to me. 
Your happiness, your joy, your peace, what happens in your life matters to me. When you achieve success, when something good happens, I rejoice with you. I rejoice when you rejoice, but listen, I weep when you weep. Because whatever affects you matters to me. And that has to be a mindset, not only of just the pastor of the church, but for all of us, if we have any any idea at all to experience the blessings of God, because that's what he blesses. That's what he's looking for. That's what he blesses. This year we'll be going to youth camp. be our 25th year. I remember that first year that we went. I was in my old Ford van, and I had five girls. They talked all 400 miles between here and Moss Point, Mississippi, without fail. Like auctioneers. I mean, it's like having a bunch of chickens in the back. I mean, I love everyone. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying, them girls talk, boy. I mean, they could, you know, they could tear it up. We got down to youth camp. Of course, I'd been there. I mean, I'd, uh, uh, Brother Stokes had invited me, to, uh, allowed me to come down, stay with him, took me over, and uh, met Brother Tim Colley for the first time, showed me around the facility, the tabernacle, the dorms, all this, you know, good stuff. Because I was, praise God, I was looking for a church, a place our kids could go where the boys and girls didn't swim together. So I, I was waiting on an amen there. Thank you. We had already done youth camp three times. On our own, I was the camp director of the last one. We went $2,000 in the red. <whistles> camp Cadillac or, or Camp Hollywood. It's called Camp Skyline in Mentone. Y'all know where it's at. You go right before you get that bridge. Camp Skyline, man. Yeah, we'll rent it to you for a week. Whew. Swimming pools, movie stars, horses. We had it all. Two grand in a hole. I said, Lord, I can't do this. I'll get run out of here on a rail, you know. Call Brother Stokes. Brother Stokes, please, you know of any camp that has a good standard for my young people. Yeah, Brother Andy, best camp in the country is right down the road. My sister is a pastor's wife. I said, man, don't mess with me. I'm serious. The boy ain't messing with you. I said, can I come look at you? He said, you come down here, stay with me. I'll take you over there. I, as a matter of fact, I'll give you the pastor's phone number. You call him and tell him I sent you. So I went down. First time, looked through it. Hey, this looks great. Come back. Hey, we got a camp, folks. Oh, boy, where is it? <coughs> Moss Point, Mississippi. Moss Point, Mississippi, 100, 200, 300, 400 miles from where we are. Me and them five girls went that first night, that first service, that first night. It was Acts chapter 2. Now, I've been in some red-hot services. I can give you some testimony. I was in camp meeting in Doraville one year and the children of light sang the blood that Jesus shed for me and I thought the rapture was going to take place and me and Harold Tatum was fixing to go through the roof I mean I've been in some but I tell you what that night when it come to that altar service now I've never been around them assemblies folks you know really because they're different in church of God folks church of God folks you get somebody in the altar you pray for them do they pray through or you both die in the altar assembly of God folks a little different they tag team you know you get five or ten minutes with one guy that come comes up, okay, I got it. And you get a fresh person praying for you all the time. There ain't nothing wrong with either model. It was just one I was used to, the other one I wasn't. But, man, when that altar service started, beloved, I jumped in it with both feet. Praise God. And the Spirit of God began to move. Like I, And I've seen folks in the 25 years we've been going. I, I haven't gone every year for those 25 years. But I've seen the Lord do some, some miraculous stuff 
at that, at that youth, in the hearts and lives of young people and in the, in the lives of adults. Brother Doug Manning come in. He was in, he was in a world of pain. Brother, I saw him a little earlier in the day. He was standing leaning against the fence. I said, Brother Doug, you all right? Man, you look like you've been hit by a train. He told me what his uh, health issue was. I said, whoo. He said, I didn't call my wife. She's making an, an appointment with the doctor. That night, old Brother Doug, he comes dragging in that tabernacle. He's walking slow. He ain't chasing no chickens. He eases over, gets down in that chair, sits down in that chair. We have church. We in altar service. We praying for one of Lamar Chapman's kids. And some, and I forgot who it was. Said, "Hey, let's pray." And old brother Doug, God love him. With every ounce he had, he got up and he just made his way because he had rather pray for those kids and take another breath. <coughs> we prayed for brother Doug Manning. It wasn't Doug Chapman. It's Doug Manning. And he fell backwards on the floor. And we all looked down. And he squeezes his eyes real tight and pops them open real wide. And when he does, up off that floor he comes. You ever see any of these athletes do this press where they come up on their feet? Here comes Brother Doug up on his feet. Woo! Glory to God. He was gone. Like a flash. He went out that door. We said, whoo, Lord have mercy. And Scott Marsh grabbed me around the neck and said, Dear God, did you see that, Brother Andy? He healed Brother Doug. I said, Yeah, he's going to have to heal me if you don't let me go. We run to the window. There's Doug out around the volleyball. We got two volleyball courts out there. Doug is making laps, hands raised, praising God. He was healed. Amen. That our love will overflow. But my point is this. I asked the Lord, because it's like that every year. I said, Lord, what is the deal? What is it about this camp? That you always, you know, and I tell folks, they ask, where y'all go to camp? We go to Forts Lake. Why do you go to Forts Lake? Because that's the camp that Jesus goes to. How do you know that? I said, you've been there every year. I have. You ain't never failed to show up. So I just asked him, Lord, I'd, I'd like to know. You know, I mean, we have great services here, and I'm not, you know, I'm not being a judge of how good church is or anything like that, but it's just that there, there, there is that expectation, excitement, if you will. And the Spirit of God spoke to me, and he said, Son, I'm going to let you know why I bless this camp. And I am all, he says, it's your preachers. You love one another. There's no politics, no big eyes, no little U's. You love one another. You prefer one another. And this is what the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, anywhere I find that, I'll bless it. And that has not, I don't know what I ate yesterday, but I've never forgotten that. Everywhere I find that, I'll bless it. If we will love one another as he has given us command. And people think, oh, there's nothing sensational about that. You need to read the book, man, because that is the key. I desire for the blessings of God to be poured out in this place. I want to see folks get saved. Amen. And I don't care who gets the credit. I want to see folks get saved. Hallelujah. I want to see folks get healed. And I won't be one of them. Amen. I want to see folks experience divine deliverance and liberty and freedom. And I desire to see folks get blessed, not only spiritually, but practically, materially. Uh, folks that need help receiving that help. I want to see the, 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is the vicar of Christ, not some old guy living over in Rome. 
but the Spirit of God move in our midst and touch and the will of God come to pass. Why are you so keen on that? Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you know, and for all my dear brothers whom I love, oh brother Andy, we got to do this, or we got to no, no, we got to believe in Jesus, and we got to love one another. And since the Lord has given me that, and not not just I didn't have some you know just mystical experience, but from the Word of God, He has been faithful to His Word. Amen. Verse ten. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. And we look at that and we look at ourselves and go, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not, you know, and I hear this. Well, nobody's perfect. Read your New Testament. Only God is infallible. We are potentially fallible. But His love has perfected us, and we are being perfected by His grace. Now, that's not a, an issue for haughtiness. But it is the will of God that we live pure and blameless lives. I had rather live a pure and blameless life than be addicted to heroin. I'd rather live a pure and blameless life or be addicted to alcohol or a list of, of other stuff. There ain't nothing in that world that's any good. Amen. There ain't nothing in that world that's any good. What is good is the Lord. God is good. Amen. And he desires for us, it is the will of God, it is the desire of God for us to experience his grace and his peace. He would rather we be joyful than sad. Now things are going to happen and we're going to experience sadness. You know, Sister Pat, Brother Raymond, that whole family, they're, they're sad that, that Jerry has passed. But Jerry being right with God makes a difference. Because I didn't know, I spoke with Brother Dan, I mean, I had a question mark in my own mind. But that's not going to be another one of those funerals like it was for Larry Carroll. It ain't about Jerry Hires, it's about brother and sister Hires who lived and served God and prayed, lived a pure and blameless life, and God answered their prayers. Now, I don't, you know, I mean, the, the Lord is good. What do you mean by that? You got, you got kids that, that need help, you trust God. You believe God for them. He'll go to them. Amen just based on, on your life and your prayers. But it is the will of God we live a pure and blameless life until he comes and gets us. Verse 11, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Being filled with the fruit of our salvation, a righteous character that is produced in us by the Lord that will bring glory and praise to God. Amen. It is His will that we live a life that brings glory to the Father. Amen. It is the will of God that we live a life that others can experience and have confidence in our testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, and that's where, well, that's where the rub is. People don't mind me preaching about salvation and going to heaven, but man, you talk about preaching about living right. You talking about living right, brother? Andy? You talking about living right? I have trouble living right. I have issues living right. 
I have problems living right. Welcome to the human race. But good news is, greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Oh, Brother Andy, what happens when I hang my head? Well, I blew that. I had an opportunity and I blew it. Or I messed up. I lost my temper. Or I didn't, or whatever of, the, of a gazillion things that can happen. And we come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I messed up. We have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. We have, you know, he's our defense attorney. You know, a lot of times when the devil accuses us, he ain't, he's a liar, but a lot of times he ain't lying. He's telling the truth. Oh, Andy, he, what, this, that, and whatever, you know, and up and down and in and out. But the good news is this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus, amen, covers us. And the Lord can say, he did, but he confessed it. And I covered it. It's got to be, it's it's got to be just bad to be the devil. I mean, I don't even want to imagine that. But if you can just, you know, I got him. No, you ain't. <laughs> For the King of Glory to say, I've got him. I've got him in a corner. I've got him trapped. Ha <laughs> ha! He's mine. And for the King of Glory to stand before the throne of almighty God and declare no he's mine <laughs> Woo! I bought him I paid for him and he's mine I ain't everything I want to be but I ain't half of what I used to be by the grace of God amen how can we live with ourselves we do it with a knowledge of salvation that he loves us the devil tries to paint God as, as some guy with an old, a big, long, white beard, and he's got a, a, a bolt of lightning in his hand, and, and he's ready to strike. That is Greek theology. That's Zeus. That's not God, Jehovah God. That's Zeus, man. That's Greek theology. That was one of the few classes I passed in school was myth and legends for some reason that I remember that. That's not God. You know, you know where the power of God lies? Hanging on a cross with that sneering bunch. Come down, we'll worship you. If you be the Son of God, come down. Come, you can come down. You heal the sick. They say, they tell you've raised the dead. You've done all this. If you're the Son of God, come down. They mocked him. Where's the power of God? He stayed on that cross. I grew up in a Baptist church, and we sung, he could have called 10,000 angels all my life. And that's a true song. He could have done it, but he didn't. The good news for us is that our Savior has defeated the enemy at every opportunity without fail. He whooped him in the wilderness, and he whooped him in the garden, and he whooped him on the cross. Glory to God, when he cried out, it is finished. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. <whistles> Boy, what Brother Steve Green used to sing a song years ago. I listened to it at work when I worked third shift at, at, at Mount Vernon 
running them boxes through that strapping machine. I have a little cassette. And when you worked in packing at Mount Vernon, you got to do stuff other folks didn't get to do. One of them is you got to bring your radio. He holds the key. Steve Green sang that song. I feel a Holy Ghost in that plant. He holds the keys. He went and got them. And he didn't ask for them when he snatched them out of his hands. I'm convinced he slapped them out of his hands. I am, says the Lord. I am King of kings. I am Lord of lords. I am the only begotten Son of God. And I shall rule and reign forever. And my people shall live with me in an eternal kingdom. And I will save to the uttermost everyone who calls on my name and believes in me. I will save them to the uttermost. I will snatch them from your hands. I'll fix them. I'll start a good work in them and I'll finish it. And you can holler, you've got them all you want. But you don't. Because when they call on my name, I got them. When they believe in me, I've got them. Hallelujah. When they die before they each reach the age of accountability, I've got them. Amen. These people in our country have lost their natural mind. Let a baby be born and then decide whether or not to kill it after it's been born. That is the, that is the definition of Satan himself. If that ain't the devil, there ain't one. What happens to all these children who are aborted, Brother Andy, by the millions? That's a sad, it's a stain on our country to our shame. But what happens to them? They are received in glory. What about that one that has a deficiency, a disability? And they really, you know, they don't know their right hand from their left. And that they really do not possess the mental capacity to make a decision. What happens to them, Brother Andy? Jesus bought them on Calvary. Amen. These people, and I've heard, I ain't ever been around one in person because I don't think the Lord could trust me to do it. But I've read some preachers talk about God sending babies to hell, and that's, that's the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life. Brother Andy, can you prove that by the word of God? Well, yes, I can. When our Lord rebuked his own disciples, said, so, whoa, 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 boys, whoa. Hold everything. You let them come to me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Glory to God. That's the Jesus that we serve. Amen. You want the victory? You concentrate. You meditate on the Jesus whom we serve. Praise God. You want to defeat the devil been on you? Get him off. How do I do that, brother? And you holler at it all the time. You look down on me and tell me to get the devil off me. Get him off. How do I do that? Confess Jesus Christ. Praise God. Just go through the whole thing. Tell him what you believe. I believe Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he was crucified, shed his blood, and that his sacrifice satisfies the righteous judgment of a holy God concerning the sin of man. Woo! I believe he was in that tomb three days 
and that at the morning of that third day that they went to find that it was empty. I believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. I declare he is alive even as I speak glorified, seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven. Woo! Devil can't hang around that. He ain't got no use for that. <coughs> so, whoa, whoa, you want to drag him? Bring, hey, come here, I ain't through. I ain't through. He's coming back. You may have read that. For me. <laughs> and if I die before that resurrection, the angels of God shall escort me into his presence and there ain't nothing you can do about that. Doc, whoa, come back. Don't run away from me. I ain't through. Woo. I ain't through. You're going to have your time for seven years. But at the end of that, I'm coming back with him. Hallelujah. We go into Jerusalem. As he descends, his foot will touch the Mount of Olives and it will cleave and create a valley. And he's going to walk through that Muslim. The Muslims have, have planted a cemetery, an Islamic cemetery, outside the eastern gate for the purpose of preventing the Jewish king from entering in. Now that's just how insane the devil is. Do you think Jesus Christ is going to be intimidated by a graveyard? He done been to the graveyard. He done beat the graveyard. Whoa, devil, come back. I ain't through yet. He is going to win that victory. And the beast and the false prophet will be cast in the lake of fire. But guess what happens to you, son? Here comes the angel with a chain. You're going to be chained up. Whoa, come don't run away from me. I ain't through. You're going to be chained up, Doc, and put in the pit and be shut up. That's one of my favorite verses. And shut him up. Ha-ha! <laughs> Devil been on me, brother. Get him off with the gospel. He's going to stroll into that rebuilt temple. He's going to sit on the throne of his father David, human lineage speaking. He's going to rule for a thousand years, and I'm going to rule with him because I'm his property. Come here, devil. Don't run away from me now. I ain't through. You, 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 you'll like this little bitty part. You're going to be let loose for a little while, not long. You're going to be let loose for a little while. You're going to stir up trouble. But then the heavens are going to roll back and the throne of God Almighty will be revealed. And that he's going to make quick work. And then hell's going to puke up its inhabitants. And whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life is going to be cast into the lake of fire with you, son, forever and forever and forever. And the children of God shall enter an eternal kingdom of peace and joy and happiness in a glorified body that will never get sick, never feel pain. Can you imagine living somewhere where your feelings never get hurt? Because nobody's acting the way they shouldn't be acting. Where the love of God, where the Lamb is the light, and the love of God saturates and permeates everything. And we are with Him forever. And ever, and then you'll be looking, and you'll see the back end of the devil. He's gone. He couldn't hang around for the rest of it. Instructions to the church from the Apostle Paul. Be encouraged and not discouraged. 
for greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. There is grace for us. If you stumble and fall, don't give up. Get up. Because we've been established on a rock, Christ Jesus the Lord. We haven't built our house on the sand. Storm's going to come, like it or not. Sinner or saint, storm's coming. I shared that with you a little bit this morning. You're going to experience it. Something's going to happen you ain't going to like. Something's going to happen that is going to affect you negatively in a desperate matter. But you will not be destroyed because you have built your house on the rock and not on the sand. And Jesus is that rock. Stand with me all over the house. He's through with me.